You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. The city of Portland, because of the protests primarily, has gone from third most desirable place to have businesses and do development on a list of about 80 cities to nearly the bottom of that list in just a short four years. Article I'm doing today is a key indicator of real estate investors' interest in Portland shows a precipitous decline. Big, huge decline. Let's get into it. Before we do, if you're new here, thanks for showing up. My name is Sean Reynolds. I'm a real estate guy, and I read the news that people like to, to watch and hear. Let's do it. An Oregon economist could not think of another example of an area that has so quickly fallen into disfavor. Talking about Portland. Portland, the jewel of whatever. You know how every city has its own description of itself that makes it sound like it's the greatest and the best. There's still a lot of areas of Portland that are really cool and it's really pretty. And you've got the Willamette River, you got the Columbia River. I mean, you've got the mountains, you got Mount Hood to the east, big mountains. You know, they're Cascade volcanoes. And, um, and yet, there's been some shenanigans in Portland that have kind of put it in a place where people are like, ah, that is a no-go. Portland, P-Town, no, 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 no. That's that's literally in response to all of the nonsense going on, in addition to the genius leadership by the city and their city council and their mayor, that they just let people run around willy-nilly, you know, live on the streets, you know, camp wherever, um, peaceful protesting, no real adherence to the law. And if you do get caught protesting, bashing out windows, bashing on the federal building, nothing's going to happen to you. So no, another genius example of progressive leadership basically driving a city into the ground. And these are the indicators. This is a real indicator. This is a desirability indicator. And Portland has gone from nearly at the top, third most desirable out of 80 cities in the U.S., to number like 66, bottom of the barrel. It's like, oh, what cities are below Portland? Not too many. How come? Well, there's a bunch of reasons. Let's get into it. A, at, and thank for those of you who sent me in a link to this article, thank you so much. This was dead on. I'm always looking for stuff that is you know, tells the story. It's like, okay, we hear of the peaceful protesting and what they do. How does that actually impact a real estate market? Well, here's a really good, really good example. I mean, it's dead on. And for Portland's leadership, wonder what they'll say about this. At a January 5th budget meeting for the city's Bureau of Development Services, which will be referred to as BDS from here on out, economists advising the Bureau on the outlook for new construction presented dismal news, not so good news. 2021, not going to be Portland's year. Portland has gone from one of the most desirable locations in the country just four years ago in 2017 to near the bottom of an 80-city ranking in four years. That is a drop. Like that first headline I, saw, I read, um, can't think of a, a bigger drop. I mean, when you are forced with that, it's like, okay, what do you have going on? Well, I don't think it is a shocking revelation that what Portland has got is basically what Seattle's got on steroids, meaning, and not growth steroids where you want to be bigger. They've just got bigger problems, bigger, stronger, more manly problems with more testosterone 
not good. That ranking was compiled by the Urban Land Institute in a report titled Emerging Trends in Real Estate 2021. Don't count on Portland for a future site for your business and or development. That's the trend in 2021. That's what we're saying. It shows that a survey of more than 1300 lenders, investors, developers, and other national real estate experts found Portland the third most desirable real estate market in the nation in 2017. For 2021, it now ranks 66th out of 80 cities, bringing up the rear in that lower quarter percentile, right? Not where you want to be. You know, when you, you brag about your kid, you know, when, you, when you're a new parent, and you're like, oh, my kid's in the top 10th percentile of weight and height, he's going to just be a giant. And, you know, the kid's like four weeks old, whatever. And you're like, uh-huh, okay, whatever. Or your kid tests, re- does reading testing in kindergarten. My kid is a genius. He's in the top whatever. Well, Portland has, has they are out of favor. They are not able to set to, their parents are not tell, telling their children, good job. That's just You've just got some horrific things going on that are really impacting Portland's overall appeal to the marketplace. One of the individuals that I've been I've been corresponding, I think via text or email, is at, at one time he brought in a fair number of conferences to Portland, and one of the trips that they would make was to the Portland Brewery, which I did a podcast here on short not too long ago, and basically said. Portland Brewery is like, yeah, the protests, all that damage, all that stuff, we couldn't, we can't make it, we got to move. So their parent company is moving them out. Here's another direct example of when you've got protests going on, it doesn't impact just the people there. It impacts future business. And that's what these leadership of these progressive cities don't understand, because they don't understand business. This is not a good look. I have heard that Oregon leadership is basically saying, yeah, we don't need any bad PR stories coming out about Oregon right now. Well, you're gonna get some because guess what? Your look is not stellar. So the deal is, is people don't want to bring people in from out of town for a conference in a major city where they have to step over the homeless on the sidewalk, possibly stepping into human feces, avoiding that needle. And this is all on the city sidewalk. You get out on the street, oh, all bets are off. Anything could happen there beyond what I just described, right? People don't want to have conferences where they're bringing people to, to have to deal with this stuff. Tents on the sidewalk. Maybe you got a little protest going on. You want to bring a bunch of people in from out of town and have a conference and have a protest go on right outside of you know, the main uh, conference center mm, that's in downtown where this stuff is going on. That is a no-go. That's a no-go. So for people with future development plans, they're going to look at this and they are doing the same thing. Portland, down at the bottom of the list right now until they clean it up, which could be a while at the rate they're going because what are they doing? They are talking about recognizing that there's an issue and they got to do something. That's Mayor Ted Wheeler. He's trying to figure out what he's going to do. And in the meantime, these protests keep happening. And what is city leadership doing? Not a lot. So right now I am looking at a graph and uh, it basically shows this ranking, the drop, the precipitous drop that Portland has had as a city with desirable desirability. And it looks like a fishing pole bending into the water. If you're not looking on YouTube, it literally it kind of goes 
it goes down into 2020 and then huge drop from 2020 to 2021. Let's be honest. That's because of the rioting and leadership's inability to address that any which way. In fact, they were doing selfies. Mayor Ted was doing selfies with the protesters. That was back in the summer of love period, though, the summer of love era where we were in love with these protesters. You guys are doing such a great job. Keep bashing out those windows. You guys go get get that message out there. Get that message of violence out there. Oh, it's not a message. It's a violence of peace. So confused. In a January 8th letter to the Portland City Council, eight local business organizations, eight Seattle just had three go to town on the city leadership. We've got eight local business organizations amplified that finding in the grim assessment of two economists who advise the building development services. Tom Potiowski, formerly the state economist and formerly chair of the economics department of Portland State University, said at a recent BDS meeting, according to the letter, that Portland was unique. He could not think of another example of an area that has quickly, so quickly fallen into disfavor. I have never seen that one. I've never seen a city become unpopular so quickly. That's literally what he's saying. A second economist, Mike Wilkerson, director of analytics at the consulting firm Eco Northwest, echoed Potiowski, saying that investors' lack of confidence will stunt the city's rebound and predicted Portland will have an impediment to growth until that's resolved. So will Seattle, for sure. You're not going to, nobody's going to go in and do development in, in an area that's just known for having these peaceful protests where they bash out, you know, windows willy nilly, tag things up, just create havoc, you know, maybe, maybe firebomb a car every now and then throw a Molotov cocktail at a police officer, you know, all that good peaceful protest, protesting sporting. That plunge in confidence appears to stem from factors that include widely broadcast images of protests and nearby wildfire. Are you really, honestly, are you going to blame the wildfires? No, there was some smoke. There was smoke all over the Pacific Northwest. Yes, they had some fires. That is a seasonal thing. It was very dry. Some things caught on fire and they had some wildfires. This is all protest. This is all lack of city governor governorship to do anything about the chaos that's going on there. They had what 150 straight nights at one point in time of beating on the federal buildings in downtown Portland. If that doesn't dissuade people from going into business there or developing things there, what else will? I don't know. So it's not about the nearby wildfires. Those get put out. The protests haven't been, right? It may be exacerbated by the documented flight of businesses from the city's core and factors such as the cost of property insurance rising 30% to 50% amid repeated vandalism. Now we are addressing some of the truths. So it's core factors and uh, it's city's core and factors such as the cost of property insurance. Talked about that. So business and in a previous podcast, businesses in Portland are either being rejected or having their insurance skyrocket. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, commercial insurance in these areas, and even within like a five mile radius, and, and people getting car insurance down the road may have a difficult time. Because insurance companies, insurance underwriters, they are hundreds, if not thousands of miles away, probably thousands of miles away. 
And they're going to look at a map and they're going to go, all right, here's where the protests were. We're an insurance company. We play the odds. People attribute that to gambling, but they really do. You've got to, you know, on life insurance, it's a statistical bet on when a person will die. It's a statistical bet when you put something on a map and say, well, let's draw a radius outside of that. We don't want to insure within that circle because guess what? That's not a good gamble. This has been happening. It's been ongoing. We've had to pay out too many claims. If we're going to insure in this area, we're going to make it worth our while. So here is your premium that we jacked up just a tad. And that's if we give you a policy. More than likely, we're not going to reinsure you. Good luck with that high risk insurance policy. That is literally what's going on in Portland right now. And these are some of the things that people don't really attribute to the peaceful protesters because they just think it's just some broken windows. And it's not. It's all this stuff. So now Portland's got to come out from underneath national media basically pointing out, yeah, Portland, big drop in confidence. Nobody wants to go there, development or business-wise. So the nearby wildfires, that is a stretch, but they had to put in something else because you can't blame it all on the protests because then you might be racist, right? I mean, that's people, they don't want to come right out and say, oh, yeah, it is the protests. It's the protests. They don't they want to say that they want to blame other things because then ah, but the wildfires are gone now. So everything's good, right? Oh, we still got to deal with those protests. Oh, damn it. I thought we were home free. Really did. Okay, what do we do? I don't know. Just keep keep, keep letting them do what they do. All right, those business owners, they're just gonna have to deal. But that's making it worse. Oh, yeah, still don't know what to do. So we're just not going to do anything. We're just going to sit on our hands. And we're going to talk about rethinking and reimagining our problem. That's what P town is doing. That's what that's where Portland is at. But it also fits into a debate over the future of the Bureau of Development Services. So the very Bureau that is kind of talking about this is saying, Okay, this has to do with us as well. Business groups have implored the city council to resist cutting the budget of BDS, which depends on new permit fees for its funding. The Bureau is looking at a 17% budget cut next year, which would mean eliminating 60 of its 358 employees. And then what happens with future permitting in the city of Portland? It becomes really slow. Hey, remember the job Jim used to do? Yeah, nobody's doing that anymore. And so our permit process just tripled. So if you want a permit here in the city of Portland, you might be ready to settle in for a long wait because it's not happening anytime soon. We got defunded. They defunded BDS here in Portland, just like the Seattle Police Department, right? Getting defunded. What happens? You don't have better coverage. You have worse. So can you put through more permits? Can you help get Portland out from underneath this impact from the, the from the protests by cutting people within the, the permit department? No, you can't. That's going to further deter people from wanting to invest in Portland. And so this thing just snowballs. Business groups say that's a mistake. Their argument, if investors consider coming back to Portland, a bare bones permitting agency will hamstring new development. There you go. That is a blinding glimpse of the obvious, right? I mean, it's just it's just so apparent. Significant BDS layoffs 
threatened to touch off a downward spiral, reducing service levels and increasing permitting timelines, both of which create uncertainty that can hamper recovery in the housing and office development and construction industries. The letter says, slashing BDS's workforce and hindering permit processing will only reinforce investors' concerns about the Portland market. So you got less development going on. And as a result, you've got less funds for the BDS department. So what do you do? You cut a bunch of positions because you got to cut that budget. Now you're basically cutting off your own legs at the knees and you're hobbling around going, oh, what do we do? Well, you Johnny on the spot need to figure out the protest thing. Need to, need to, Portland's got to do some uh, restructuring. They've got to deal with this. I think the mayor knows. I mean, he, he talks about it as if he knows, but haven't really seen much to to help out those small businesses in the areas we're talking about. Business groups say that's a mistake. Their argument, if investors consider coming back to Portland, a bare bones permitting agency will hamstring new development. Significant BDS layoffs threaten to touch off a downward spiral, reducing service levels and increasing permitting timelines both of which create uncertainty that can hamper recovery in the housing and office development and construction industries, the letter says. Slashing BDS's workforce and hindering permit processing will only reinforce investors' concerns about the Portland market. So they're, they're just basically saying, if you do this, you know, businesses that are dependent upon permitting, they know, they hear super quick, how far out is Portland and they're permitting? Oh, it's five years versus two elsewhere or whatever it is for a big project. Yeah, the shorter those timelines are, the more favorable it is because they can get their project financed, permitted, constructed, up and done. And time is money when you're doing all that. And just knowing what's going on with an area, what's going to happen. If you have uncertainty as far as, hey, is this, gonna, is this area going to get hit with a bunch more protests? That's a no go. And then if you have on top of that, and eh, it's going to take you forever to build your project. That's a double whammy on top of just what's going on in general. So in a city like Portland, so that's how all of a sudden, you've got these forces going on. And it's like, Oh, that's not good. Everyone agrees Portland is facing challenges, as are many cities around the nation, says Mayor's Ted Wheeler spokesman, Jim Maddow. Isn't it interesting how uh, this guy is, he's, he's the Mayor Ted Wheeler, terrible Ted from uh, Portland. He's a spokesperson and he is saying, Portland is facing challenges, as are many cities. Not as bad as Portland though, right? Let's just, let's just look at Portland's problems. Massive drop in desirability, not good. That said, Portland remains a great place to live, work and invest. If you don't mind dealing with the ongoing rioting and the general third world country look that downtown Portland has. I was there this past summer. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. I thought downtown Seattle was bad, but in um, I was right where the federal buildings were because that's where the peaceful protesters seem to enjoy doing a lot of their LARPing. Um, they, they just run around and kind of create you know, havoc, willy-nilly, do a little protesting in the streets, shoot some paintball guns up at the, the surveillance cameras. 
And do you remember at one point in time when the feds were when, when everybody was all in worked up that the feds that Trump's feds were in Portland, and they're just arresting people willy nilly. Oh, this is a violation of our constitutional rights. Well, all they were doing is arresting people for hammering on the federal buildings, period. That's what they were doing. And everybody got worked up because, oh, my gosh, we can't let these peaceful protesters just keep we can't we can't impede their progress. These guys, these guys are doing a really good thing here. They've got a good message going. Destruction of, of local businesses, storefronts, maybe a little looting, some good solid graffiti, taking down fences around parks, destroying restrooms and parks. I saw all of that, you know having just constant fights with each other. It's just not a good look for Portland. And guess what? Business community is like, mm, yeah, business community is conservative. Because they got a lot of money on the line. They're not going to roll the dice on development in an area that's like, well, maybe we'll deal with the peaceful protesters sometime. But in the meantime, yeah, it is a it's a great place to live, work and invest. Who are you kidding, Jim Madaw? Seriously, did you not see the title of this article? You are bold face going to try and tell me. That being said, Portland remains a great place to live, work and invest. Maybe a little outside of Portland, maybe in the suburbs, that could be true. Portland's appreciation still been pretty strong as have a lot of West Coast cities because we don't have enough supply. Things are going crazy in the real estate market. We had one yesterday. Was it yesterday? came on the market at let's say it came on the market at uh, I'm not going to give exact figures because I can't remember them. Say it came on the market at 745, something like that, maybe it's 765. And it's probably a 45 minute drive northeast of downtown Seattle. It's pretty far out. It's not it's not super close in it's a suburban um, market that you would have to drive probably 40 minutes into downtown. If you had a job in downtown, it came on at call it call it 750 for good numbers. We had accelerator clauses. I don't know how many offers we had maybe a dozen came on the market, call it a week ago, our offer review period was yesterday. And we had accelerator clauses all the way up to a million dollars. So Based on the comps, based on the data, it was somewhere mid sevens. There's so much demand and so little housing right now that people are willing to escalate up a quarter million dollars just to get a home. Uh, we didn't take that super high, uh, high offer because sometimes the ones with the highest offer also have kind of the weakest financing terms. And that's why they're the highest offer with price because they got other stuff in their their offer package that you're like, ah, the odds of that one closing aren't as high, let's take an offer that's a little bit less. So it was still well over $900,000 um, was the final final thing. And um, they'd waived building inspection, they waived their financing contingency, meaning they can't get out if they can't get financing, their earnest money was non refundable. I want to say it was 40, 50, 60 grand, something like that. Earnest money non refundable, hand over a check to the seller, basically at mutual acceptance. These are markets that are screaming on fire. And yet, Portland, its commercial area, dropping from number three to 66 on a list of desirability in 80 of the top cities in the United States. Mm, not good. 
So Middaw, he's the guy who came up with the genius plan of Portland remains a great place to live, work, and invest. Middaw added that Wheeler and BDS Commissioner Dan Ryan acknowledge developers' concerns. It's still a great place to live, work, and invest is, is what the – Mayor Ted couldn't even come out with a comment on his own which I find interesting. But I guess it's better to have somebody comment on something. But a statement like that that gets put in the, the national media, like that, it's like, oh, okay. And then they basically acknowledge, yeah, we got some problems. We've got some issues. We need, we need a big box of tissues for all of our issues. We must keep BDS strong to ensure continuity of permitting services through the market cycles that will roll through our economy during the next few years, Middaw says. The mayor looks forward to partnering with Commissioner Ryan and BDS Director Rebecca Esau as they develop and propose citywide solutions. In other words, this is just kind of a cyclical issue. And you know what, we're going to get past it because we're going to roll through our economy during the next few years. Well, you're not going to do much rolling, you're going to be at a standstill until you get the peaceful protesting squared away, and it's impacted downtown areas like downtown Portland. And that's where leadership in a lot of these West Coast cities are failing miserably. All you got to do is look to see and you go, oh, yeah. Oof, not good. Sure glad I don't have a business there. Sure glad I don't have a condo there. Sure glad I don't have to walk down that street. Mm, that is not a good look. Not good. So as this storyline continues, and thanks again for those who sent in this story. It's a good one. It's a direct correlation of how not to run a city how not to handle the peaceful protesters. As this storyline continues, I will report it for you right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. Thanks so much for being here. I will catch you guys on the next one. Stay safe. Bye until then. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.